Gorgeous George and Goes, are you ready? Junkie Nation, are you ready? Well, let's get it on. From the fight capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada, this is MMA Junkie Radio. We roll it! What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes reporting for duty on a Sunday for Monday delivery. Lots to discuss today. We got two shows that I want to talk about. Uh, you know which ones. One X, which took place in Singapore late, 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 late Friday, early Saturday morning. And the UFC Fight Night 205 card, which took place kind of mid-afternoon. And yeah, those are the two. We'll go over those. We'll go over those. And then there's a lot of news to discuss. And frankly, I don't know if I want to discuss it because it's kind of disgusting. Do you guys see what I did there? No, 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 I'm serious. Look, our sport is to a point where a lot of stuff is going down. And I know I'm a drama queen and I love that stuff. I've always said it, TMZ, Twitter beefs. I really do, but it's like I'm getting over it or something. So, look, we're... We're going to throw a bunch of stuff at the wall, kind of go over it. Some fighters are in trouble a little bit here and there. Controversies, fight bookings. We're going to smash a lot of stuff here for the next hour. So buckle up. It's Gorgeous George and Goes doing Junkie Radio on a Sunday for your Monday, March 28th delivery. Now, I kind of tend to be long-winded anyway, but I may be even more so, folks. So for you Goes fans, hmm, there may not be as much Goes. He's under the weather, but he's going to power through because that's kind of what we've always done. Ain't that right, Goes? That is correct. And you can confirm to the audience you do not have COVID, right? I think I'm going to take one more test tomorrow just to make sure. But uh, I took the test. It said I didn't have it. And then... um, uh, I mean, it It feels like a cold. It doesn't really feel like it's anything out of the ordinary, but you never know. I'll, I'll probably take one more tomorrow just to be sure. But, but yeah, I don't think I do. Is that the one you shove up your nose? Yeah. yeah you I was did it yourself or did Laura help? I did it myself. Hell no, I wouldn't let Laura do that. Well, I don't know. All right. Um, well, we hope you get better. And we certainly hope you don't have COVID because that means my ass is going to have COVID too. All right, folks, so check it out. Um, Before we get into all this, how about that right-hand slap that Will Smith delivered on Chris Rock at the Oscars about an hour ago? Remember, we said we're taping late Sunday for your early Monday delivery, and that is all over Twitter. Me and my buddies have been texting, kind of cracking jokes. Um, What happened was Chris Rock he was the the host or one of them. I didn't watch the whole show, so I don't even know if he did a monologue or or if he was just a presenter or what. Because I also saw Amy Schumer out there too. So really, I, I I'm kind of late to the party, honestly. I only saw like the last two awards, but uh, thanks to good old Matt Erickson who watches this from not uh, the beginning to the end. I saw him posting about it. I found it, and I think it wasn't. Let's just say. Let's just say he did a monologue. It sure as hell was on part of it. I think he was just kind of coming out and um, coming from a commercial or something. And then he usually lightens up the mood with a joke. And 
he references Jada Pinkett Smith, which is Will Smith's wife. And so she's got the bald look going. And the reason is because she sh- suffers from a condition where she's lost her hair. Starts with an A. I can't remember it right now. It's not cancer, but either way, she's Alopecia. lost her hair. What is it? Alopecia, right? Something like that. Something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's probably hurtful to a woman who will never rock her own hair for the rest of her life, I suppose. And granted, there's wigs and other stuff, but still, takes some courage to make it your look, which is what she's done. So he cracks a joke and says, G.I. Jane 2, you know, look out for that. And they show the Smiths, goes, Will actually is laughing. And Jada kind of rolls her eyes and doesn't have a disgusted look. But she has a, like, really, you know, like that type of thing. Kind of like, come on, you know. So by then, they pan back to Chris Rock. He's trying to play it off. Like, come on, that was minor stuff. Blah, blah, blah. He starts to talk a little bit more. And then you hear the crowd go, oh, that means Will Smith is walking down the ramp. And Chris Rock starts to acknowledge it. And I think Chris Rock just thinks, you know, Will Smith is kind of like um zany and so he's probably gonna you know play along or play threaten them or he probably doesn't even know what's about to happen but will smith cocks a nice slap goes now that i can confirm wasn't a punch it was a slap and uh yeah i mean chris rock took it he joked about it he i thought he played it off as good as he could play it off for live television while the other guy walked back to his seat then, if you look for uncensored tweets, you can see he's telling him, keep my name out of your fucking mouth. Then the other guy says something, and then he says, keep my wife's name out of your fucking mouth. And I, you know, because right away, you know how audiences can be staged, Hollywood. Didn't look staged to me. No, not at all. Um, I don't know. Are we gonna, Are we going to break down Oscars FC? Yeah, break it down. All right. I thought it was a shitty move on Will Smith's part. Um, they do have history, you know, if you remember back. Uh, of not uh, liking each other? Uh, not that Chris Rock didn't like him, but uh, Will Smith, a lot of people thought, should have been uh, nominated for an award for concussion, right? And I guess he wasn't. And so they decided not to attend the Oscars. They, that was kind of like their, pro- their protest. Sorry. I remember and, um, and I think Chris Rock made a, a joke about that, you know, like kind of saying, you know, maybe you wasn't invited or something like that. I don't know. But anyway, um, look, dude, the Oscar, like you have to know where you're at. You know, you have to know your surroundings. And if you're an actor and you're at the Oscars, that's the equivalent of one of us being invited to the, the White House or something, right? Like it's up there. You, you got to have a little bit of a longer leash depending on where you're at. It can't just always be, uh, you know, on site. You can't, you can't do that type of shit. You have to know where you're at. And um, for one, he was laughing, okay? And she wasn't, but, hey, he laughed, all right? And it wasn't just a, a little, <laughs> like, he, he had a pretty decent laugh. So, obviously, he probably looked to the left, saw she wasn't laughing, and then decided to be that guy. But you can't just be walking up on stage assaulting people. Now, Here's the other thing. If you're Chris Rock, you kind of have to know that if you're going to be talking about people, 
there is the chance that these types of things happen. But they're not going to happen live on television like that. You know what I mean? Like at some point, you, you, you can't, you're not a wild animal. You know, like maybe backstage or something like that, you know? Or at the after party? Um, right. Like if I'm Will Smith, I might get mad. Um, but I think I have the common sense to, I'll see you soon, you know, after the show's over or something like that. Uh, but to just walk up on stage and do something like that was just, just a real stupid and shitty thing, especially after the fact that you were just laughing. Plus, he's a fucking comedian. That's why he was hired to be there. And he's making fun of other people. That's kind of his thing. You know, like, that's just the way the show is. And on top of that, like, Will Smith's private life is kind of out there. And it's, and I don't mean, like, people get to uh, hear about it. I mean, it's out there. You know, I think he's, like, in an open marriage or something, like, Look, man, people are going to talk. People are going to say shit. You know what I mean? And I don't know. All of a sudden. I think they admitted to each other that they cheated on each other, right? Or was it just her on him or? Something like that, you know? And and so anyway, I don't know. I, to me, that's just wrong place to do something like that. And fuck, I mean, if, if that really pisses you off. It wasn't even like the worst joke in the world. If those type of things piss you off, then good luck getting through life, you know? Yeah. And Pretty much what was his biggest moment in Hollywood, receiving receiving his first Oscar for that movie. I don't even know the name, but he he played Richard Williams, the father of Venus and Serena Williams. And so he, he took home Best Actor. And that was his first Oscar. And, you know, he gave an emotional speech. But see, I had seen all that before I had heard what had happened, what seemed to be about 40 minutes earlier, maybe 45 minutes earlier. So it was, that's why I know it wasn't part of the monologue. It was in the middle of, and the reason I know it wasn't fake because, well, you know, I'm not a hundred percent certain, but it doesn't appear to be is because they, you know, they censored the words back and forth. Um, I'm thinking if it's fake, like, is he gonna, is he gonna do that? Like if everyone's in on it, you would think you'd find enough words that are still threatening where you don't have to cuss. Um, they cut to like what seemed to be a commercial. And then there's angles where it looks like Denzel Washington is kind of talking to him off to the side, probably telling him to cool off or, you know what I mean? But, um, and then he even said, I hope they have me. I hope the Academy has me back. I thought that was because he had his speech was so long, but, I think some of it may have had to do with that. Anyway, anyway, any final words on that before we bury it? I, I, it was a big moment, though. Over the yeah, weekend. I don't know. It was kind of shitty to watch and just, just crazy. Like this world is is crazy now, man. Chris Rock has a chin, though, right? He does. Yeah, you know, I think he didn't I, flinch. I it was, was it Kathy Griffin or one of them was talking about like it's hard enough to be a comedian, you know? Now you have to worry about people coming up stage and taking swings at you and I thought he should have been kicked out to be honest man like regardless of your right or wrong you just can't fucking walk up in the middle of the show and smack someone that's just gotta go you know what I mean like where, where do you he, if, if he wasn't getting the Oscar which I don't know if the Academy knows or doesn't um but if they knew this this was probably the one time they gave a pass but if he wasn't even nominated let's just say that so let's say the Academy doesn't know. They just know he's one of five, 20%. Um, but let's say he wasn't nominated. Then you never know. Perhaps they would have. Who knows? Because now everyone's so sensitive to everything that 
you know, and, and, and trust me, you and I appear to be on the same side. I imagine there's going to be a lot of people that it's, uh, they're going to say he stood up for his wife. If you be, if you're clowning someone, be ready to get served. And you know, it's on site. Like no one ever is going to agree on everything. So it, we all but, just see it kind of a different way. And maybe, maybe the person that makes the decisions over at the Oscars is one of those people that just sees it the other way. You know, he got dealt I, with. I get that argument too, though. I get that argument too. You know, if that was my mom or my girlfriend or my brother, I get that too. But I'm smart enough to know that I'm going to have other opportunities to even that score. And right there at that moment was just the wrong fucking time, dude. Like, really, where do you draw the line? If you're at a fucking charity event for kids, are you just going to smack someone because they said something like, you got to contain yourself. You know what I mean? Yeah. I agree. All right. Um, so, 1X. Let's go in order. This happened first before the UFC fight card in Columbus. And we're not going to go over the whole card. There was just a few moments to me that I thought were pretty cool. Heiner de, de Ritter, um, he grappled with Marcus Gal- Andre Galvao, excuse me. And they went at it for about 15 minutes. And so you're talking about one of the best jujitsu guys who's a champion in MMA. He's a champion over at one one championship. So that would be like a like a Damian Maya or someone. You know, even though Damian Maya actually grappled too, maybe a poor example, but somebody who just has good jujitsu in MMA. And he went out there and he grappled with Marcus Gal sorry, Andre Galvao. Now he's a proper BJJ champ, submission grappling champ, and he survived. It was really entertaining. They went for it because there was no stalling or anything because that's one problem that the submission grappling scene does have is a lot of times rather than take an L, the draw is fine with many people, and that's why you see Eddie Bravo and a few others have those overtimes because we need a winner. But uh, in this case, I I was pleased. I was pleased with it. I thought both guys did very well. Yeah, the whole card just I have a different uh opinion and I, I that it makes it sound bad cuz it it makes it sound like I don't like one championship. But if they could if they had the roster to do this more often, even twice a year, three times a year, I would think this would be super fun to watch. A card like this that has these types of moments in it. Yeah. I was really digging that. But yeah, it was know, like 18, 20 bouts of, of Muay Thai and kickboxing. and Yeah. But can you imagine if they had the roster to do this more often? It would be fun. Nicky Holson uh, took an L. He got knocked out. A young Thai fighter. Um, when he was in our studio, I went back and looked. I believe he was either 30 or 32. He's 38 now. So um, tough loss for him. C. Hugh Ham defeated Denise Zambangoa. That was a really a fun fight to watch. And I'll tell you what, between them two, Stan Fairtex and Angela Lee, which we'll get to in a second. And then remember, uh, what's her name? Zapatella, Alicia Zapatella over at Invicta, in who recently lost her title. There, there's been some Adam Weight titles that have been headlining cards. Dare I say that Aside from strawweight, flyweight, and bantamweight, which are pretty secure um, divisions with proper champions and plenty of contenders, dare I say that atomweight might be the next more exciting for me over women's featherweight 
and women's lightweight. And that's considering, I think, the world of Cyborg Nunes and, and Harrison. It's just that I don't feel like they have opposition for each other. And they can't fight each other either because now they're in different promotions. Yeah, I know. And it makes sense. You know, um, if you look at the men's divisions, the some of the lighter weight classes are, are more fun. I just think uh, a lot of females probably think there's not a lot of money in atom weight. You know, there's not a lot of possibilities. But, yeah, I think, um, like, if the UFC had a division, an atom weight division, I think it would be fun. It, it's good. I mean, there, there's uh, – one of my favorite fights of all time was an Adam Waite fight in <clears throat> Invicta. Well, Michelle Watterson and Jessica Penny. I mean, they're a little mm-hmm. older now, and they're both, I think, closer to retirement than anything, but they've been pretty much undersized. I think Tisha Torres would probably join the Adam Waite class. I right. don't know. I think it's just something for them to keep an eye on. Yeah, for sure. Um, And then as we progress through the card, I'll just jump around Adriano Morales, another title defense of his flyweight title. Just to avoid confusion... If you see that he defended at 135 pounds, he was a hydrated 135 pounds, but it's basically the flyweight division, just to make it easy. Um, This is his fourth title defense. His last one was the win over Demetrius Johnson, the one that really put him on the map. But this guy's amazing, man. He's got like 20 wins, three losses. He's solid. He's going to continue going up the flyweight ranks over at USA Today Sports and MMA Junkie. Yeah, it's a solid win, and that's a guy that doesn't really get that much I don't want to say respect, but just not a lot of attention, and I think deserves more. You know who gets a lot of respect? Demetrius Johnson. So Demetrius Johnson is coming back after losing to Adriano Marais, and he fought in that mixed rules matchup versus Rod Tang, Jit Moon Yang, who is a Muay Thai world champion for fly. For for, for, for one. He's the Muay Thai, yeah, flyweight world champion for uh, for one. There you go. And they did a mixed rules match that started off with three minutes of Muay Thai, then three minutes of MMA. They were going to go back to Muay Thai had it gone to round three, but it didn't. And then another round of MMA. But that first round, Demetrius Johnson did not stall. He did not delay. He went after him. And granted, Rotang was giving it to, to DJ pretty good too. But huge respect to Demetrius Johnson goes for challenging himself in the Muay Thai world. He got through the three minutes, and then it was time for some MMA, and he finished Roy Tang with a uh, choke in round two. Yeah, I don't think anybody would have really thought less of him if if he – I mean, shit, I felt like he was more elusive in MMA than he was uh, in some of those Muay Thai round, in that Muay Thai round, the first one. He stood in the pocket, and he really just did some dangerous things. So, yeah, I think of your DJ, you go home with a smile on your face because you know you really, really tested him. And if you're Rod Tang, like, you know, kind of props to him too. You know, this situation wasn't just dangerous on one side. It was dangerous for both guys. And, um, you know, he was a really – both guys were really good sportsmen at the end about it, and it was a cool moment. Tons of respect, too, from the MMA world. A, MMA, you know, that's a win for MMA. But, B, I think a lot of MMA fighters were like, fucking good for you, like – seriously man to to muay thai you know to agree to rules where you can't get a takedown or a or a submission or even you know any other types of techniques from the world of mixed martial arts um and you're fighting that guy you know one of the best not not a bum guys not a bum a muay thai world champion that simply was amazing and and you agreed to the rules where it favored him because you started off in his in his world you know 
So I, Henry Cejudo really went out of his way to say something really, really kind about Demetrius Johnson. I thought that was super cool. And just like I say, Demetrius has already set an incredible legacy with his 11 world title defenses in the UFC. Um, the fact that he was a great bantamweight, he just lost a split decision to Dominic Cruz. And then he was uh, the most dominant flyweight ever. Then he wins a Grand Prix over at one championship. He did take an L. He did take an L to Adrian Omarise. But then he wins this mixed rules match. That resume is just as good as it gets. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's one of the top uh, top ones that you could think of in all mixed martial arts when it's all said and done. And not just that, but just being part of, of what he's done and outside of the cage, the way he's just never been in trouble, none of that. There's literally nobody you could point to to say he's never faced him. Yeah. In the main event, we had Angela Lee fighting um, versus Stamp Fairtex. Stamp Fairtex earned her title shot by winning an eight-woman Grand Prix that took place while Angela Lee was um, becoming a mom for the first time. So Angela Lee, I think, was originally going to be in it, but she got to sit it out and just await the winner. Some of the people in the Grand Prix thought, well, that's not kind of fair, but, um, <laughs> you know, these sometimes these things happen when you're having sex. You know, people get pregnant. But um, she had her kid, and she came back as a mom. Kid's a little older now. And she shook off that rust and perform man i mean it was really really a good fight again that one along with the other one i talked about ham versus denise zambangoa telling me these atom weights bring it stamp fair was taking it to angela lee at times you know angela lee wound up getting the submission in round two right at the end too to culminate in a long ass card that's that was like literally it seemed like eight hours long but it really was something special that one put together and it, it was worth every minute I don't know if people realize, like, I mean, maybe I'm overreacting, but I felt like this is a fight that Angela Lee really, really needed. You know, she really needed to come back and show everybody that she's back and that her head is on straight. And this was a fight that tested her, you know, in, in this fight. So hopefully um, from here she can keep that ball rolling and kind of have her name out there when we're talking about some of these great fighters. Um, I felt like it might have slipped a little bit and then, with her going away, but that was uh, that was just one of those performances that reminds people that she's back, and when she's at the top of her game, she she can be pretty good. And I would say that she could probably defend against Ham as well, Ham being on the same card, same timeline, tough fighter. Rich Franklin told us that he thought Ham was going to be the one that actually fought Angela Lee. That was his pick before the Grand Prix started, but Stan Fairtex earned her shot. She gave it her best shot, but it wasn't enough. And that was one X. Now, one thing that did disappoint me was um, I I had conditioned myself that it was going to be a um, pay-per-view. And then when I started talking to some officials from one X, they told me, no, no, then from one, they told me, no, 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 in the United States, it's free. It's only in some other parts of the world. And so we get to that night and I'm watching on YouTube for free. They called it part one, part two. I'm watching all these fights. And then around 5 a.m., the the grand card or the the grand finale, I figure out what they called it, 
I I noticed whoa 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 they want forty bucks. This is a pay per view. I had invested all that time and I I became a little bit bitter. You know, I was looking and looking on the site, going, wait, what happened? They told us it'd be for free, and um, next thing you know, I drifted off for a little while, goes, and by the time I woke up, <coughs> is when I got um Mariah's winning. So really, at that point, I think I I think I would have gotten over it and just paid the forty to be honest. But by that point, I had missed some fights, and now I was only going to watch two for 40 bucks, and I was like, nah. So I wound up catching those fights later and just kind of watching some guy tell me via his watch-along just so I could catch the results live because I was already starting to wake up on a Saturday. But then I went back and watched you know, some videos of these fights. Um, but that was a little, little disappointing. If Had they not told me it was free and I just paid – then it would have, I swear to God, it would have been no big deal. I don't know if I would have fallen asleep, but I was clicking this, clicking that, clicking this, and that. And next thing you know, I just whoop, faded out for like two hours. I hear you. I felt the same way. Um, but I bet you anybody that did, did pay, sorry, did pay, probably felt like they got their money's worth. Let's take 10 seconds. Looks like you're having a little bit of an attack. When we come back, we'll go over some news nuggets. And then after that, we'll do uh, we'll do the, the, the fight card in C-Bus. But back in 10 seconds, folks, with some news nuggets. You right there, Goes? Yeah, it's just um, when I talk, my voice just, like, scratches and goes away or something what do you think of habib normaga made off saying colby covington should be blacklisted um he was kind of pissed that colby was the better man in the playing field of the octagon then this goes down but then you're gonna press charges he he seems real put off by that and he's encouraging other welterweights to just decline colby covington fights and freeze them out what what did you think of that of his take on all this i think it's unrealistic um, you're just if fighters have ever shown something you know shown in the past is that when you talk to them one on one, they say all the right things, but when they're put in in a difficult situation, they're always going to choose themselves. Not all of them, but most of them will choose themselves. And if the UFC puts you in a situation where you feel like if you don't take that fight, you may get in trouble or you might miss out on a big payday. It's it's the reason why we don't have a, a union, right? Yeah. So I, I get what Habib's saying, and I don't think he's wrong, but uh, that's just not going to happen because it's not realistic. He got a lot of support from other fighters, but in the end, I think he's nailed it. It's just not realistic. This is what he said. He said, if you're stronger than someone inside the octagon, it does not mean you can insult his children. No one has the right to insult someone's family. Once you have gone down, down that path, be ready to back up your words. You were attacked by a professional fighter. This is a strong point. Same as you are. So it wasn't like a fighter bullying a, uh, a a private citizen who doesn't have fighting skills. He says he was your own size. So it wasn't like a Fabricio and Covington, you know, situation. But then he says, and then you go press charges against them, against the police. I think all welterweights should refuse to fight Colby. He goes on and on, um, kind of reiterating the same points. But yeah, it goes. I, I heard it. I understood what he was saying, but I just didn't think it was realistic. No, it just isn't. Um, but, you know, here's the thing. This is kind of what separates Habib from other people is the fact that, you know, when you tell other 
fighters like, well, what are you doing about it? Like, this is actually a guy that's doing something about it, right? He started his own organization. He gets to treat fighters the way he would want to be treated. He pays them what he believes they, they deserve. So when Habib speaks, um, I think it, it it should be respected a little bit more. Yeah. But in this particular case, I just don't think it's it's realistic. It does carry some weight. All right. Um, here's a couple facts. There's one that I heard and got me interested in the facts again. So Neil Magny has 19 wins at welterweight in the octagon. He tied GSP. That's fine company to have, even though they've they haven't accomplished the same in terms of you know goal. Obviously, GSP goes down as one of the greatest in our sport, but he's racked up 19 Ws. Yeah, that is pretty amazing to to even be in the same breath as a, a fighter like that. There's certain fighters in 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 this world that, uh, holy crap! Just even in other sports, when somebody says he's Michael Jordan esque, right? Larry Bird esque, Joe Montana, Tom Brady, like just hearing that you're even remotely in the same ballpark for whatever record it is you have is pretty damn amazing. But uh, Neil Magny, man, that like. I, I can't remember if we had this conversation off the air or what, but uh, if he continues down that route, there has to be some sort of Hall of Fame is just so weird, but maybe some kind of branch of it or something that, that honors this type of fighter, this mm-hmm. type of guy that just fights anyone, anytime. I mean, come on, who calls out uh, Hamzat Shemaev, dude? Who does that? And he's this been doing it for about a year dude. now. Yeah. This hasn't been like a, a recent thing. He's been wanting them, but they haven't booked it. Um, the crowd was 18,630, sorry, 1,921,988. I should have just said 1.2 million was the gate. So let me see. That was the highest grossing gate for a U.S.-based fight night event. Hmm. Okay. I did not know that. Betting favorites went six for six on the card. So the dogs were barking. And um, in the headlines, in the headliners this year, there's been 10 fight cards for the UFC. The favorites are now eight and two. Uh, Alexa Grasso got her first submission. You know, all kinds of stuff that you can catch there on, on an article done by our colleague, Mike Bond. It's called the Post Event Facts. Just wanted to throw that at you guys. Let's get back to some drama goes. Chael Sonnen is being sued by a couple from the from California. And I'm starting to think there's there seems to be two sides to what happened that night in December. I heard something about a, at the Luxor where Chael had beat up five dudes, I guess. And from what I heard, again, I haven't read a police report or nothing like this because, see, he was never arrested. They detained him. But when they didn't arrest it, you know what I thought goes? I just thought boys will be boys. Vegas is going to Vegas, you know? So I thought what, what I was hearing was true was somebody had said something about his wife. He lost his temper, beat up five dudes, or at least, you know, push this guy or that guy. I, I, you know, not like a Steven Seagal film where all five are left, you know, unconscious. But then I had also known that something happened at the four seasons, which is at Mandalay Bay, which is attached to the Luxor, but it's still about a good 15 minute walk. You know, and something else had happened there. That's actually where the cops came and got him. And so this couple apparently is suing him. And in the Las Vegas Review Journal, which we referenced in our story on MMA Junkie, it talks about another version where this couple is saying that they were just kind of minding their own business. Son and slapped a drink out of one of the guy's hands. The guy said, I don't want any trouble. Trouble started. 
Um, the wife tried to kind of get in the middle. She gets pushed away. Um, an, another fella, I guess, comes in, luckily breaks it up, but also calls security. That guy got, gets a little dealt with as well. Security comes in. They get dealt with as well. So, geez, man. Um, Sonnen has never given me any indication that he's a any form of a troublemaker. You know what I mean? Like, he um, doesn't drink or has never had a drink. At least that's what he said. And so I, I, I don't know what kind of a state he must have been in to have just lost it like this if what these allegations are that are being made by the this couple are true in this lawsuit. Yeah, it's a really weird situation, but the one thing, you know, especially living here in Vegas, you really can't hide, you know, especially in a hotel, like everything is under surveillance, everything is recorded. So whatever the truth is, it, it will come out and um very unfortunate for Chael Sonnen for if depending on what the what the story was, you know, but yeah, if you're just a random couple and this sort of thing happens to you, it's pretty scary, just a normal person. So I can't imagine a mixed martial artist coming at you, you know, someone like Chael Sonnen. That's uh, that's something that is always going to get stuck in your head. Like, that, that could really mess with your life, you know? And um, so I really hope that wasn't the case. ESPN has temporarily suspended them. I guess all this needs to get sorted. I want to hold back any more comments until I see the police report. Seems like when police reports are published or available and we start to get more details, then now I don't have to rely on what certain people have as, you know, the sources and I talked to him and he talked to him and, and this is what I'm hearing. You know, I'd rather just kind of read from my own eyes, what uh, what was documented, I guess. But yeah, check it out on junkie. If you kind of want to get the full story of how it, how I came about. I my my jaw dro- dropped on the ground. I don't have too much correspondence with Sonnen, but like I say, just in observing him over 15, 20 years, um, mm-hmm. he's never struck me as someone who would be involved in something like this. No, um, if anything, he seems like the kind of guy that would keep a cool head in that situation. You know, he's right. kind of uh, for as crazy as it sounds for some of the outlandish things he said he usually kind of is a voice of reason so yeah this is just completely on the other side of the spectrum for him i think he could probably just minimize you by making fun of you you know and next thing you know you're laughing along and then you offer to buy him a drink and he says sorry i don't drink but i'll have a coke with you right anyway um curtis blades well, you know what? I'll save that for when we get into the article. Brian Barberina, he won. He he beat Matt Brown. And I don't want to talk about the fight just yet, but he hopes to resign, goes, or he's, he's going to retire. So apparently this was the last fight on his contract. It was a close fight over Matt Brown. It was a close win over Matt Brown. And, um, you know, we'll get into the whole, well, who did you think won in just a second? But do you want, do you want Barberina resigned? Yeah, I think he's a quality fighter. He's a good name. When you see it on the card, you, you get excited. So I wouldn't mind seeing him around. And, and that there was, seems to be use for him. Yeah, and, and, you know, Matt Brown, for his age, he's still no joke. Yeah. I'd like to see them both stick around. But I was shocked when I saw that. He's usually been a fun fight. Dude, if you think Matt Brown and Brian Barbarina was one hell of a fight, and it was. Check out Barbarina and Vicente Luque. That may have been just a tad nuttier, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, that was about 
two years ago, maybe three years ago, Davidson Figueredo goes, he actually is more excited to fight Kai Car France than Brandon Marino for the fourth time. Yeah, that's pretty that's interesting. You know, Kai Car France is another one of those guys that doesn't get as much respect as he deserves. But that was one hell of a fight. That was one hell of a performance. And yeah, we'll get into that in just a second. But yeah, he he is on a three fight win streak since getting submitted by Brandon Royville. Remember that one? Yeah, I mean, if uh, if you're a fan, you eventually want to see Figueredo and Breno. Doesn't have to be right now, but you mm. do want to see it. So there are options out there. The minute they went down that road, dude, it's like they. What if this next one's money? And they have to do a fifth. Like it just doesn't seem to be fair to the rest of the division, honestly. I, I think I think both fighters, even Moreno Figueredo, even though one of them would get screwed because they'd have to wait for a title shot, I think they could just use a breath of fresh air, meaning a fresh matchup, but whatever. It's already done, and once it's done, I just tend to like get over it. Um, Nate Diaz, yet again. There's always a comment from Nate Diaz. We can't do a show without Nate Diaz making a comment, but his comments do make waves. He says, Release me, I got shit to do. And what he's saying goes is, um, no one's signing me to fight. He says, I apologize for asking online, but you don't give me a fight ASAP. I got shit to do. So what's happening goes is like the UFC purposely delaying the eventual McGregor fight because it seems like Poirier's down. Like, let's just get that fight done already and let's figure out a way in which they can go. Look, we know you got a fight left. You want to fight? All right, cool. Here's Poirier. Here's a lot of money. You got to give us, we extend your deal by one fight until we get the McGregor fight. Now, at some point, Diaz can't be the stupidest person I've ever met in declining what could be one of the most lucrative fights I've ever made just to make a point that he doesn't want to do business with the UFC any longer and he wants to go somewhere else where I just don't think he's going to get paid as much money, right? Right. No, I don't think, well, depends what you're talking about. You know, could he go to like a thriller or something to make more money? Probably. Oh, but not yeah. not an that's MMA, cool. right? So that's true. Um, I, I don't. I know that they uh, in the contract they have to offer him matchups by a certain amount of times, and um, maybe they just haven't offered him one he likes, or I don't know what. But that's the thing is, like lately, even with fighters, like we talked about, Davidson Figueroa, it's so hard to tell what it is a fighter wants versus what it is they're trying to negotiate. And you can't tell if this is just negotiation tactics or or if the guy really just wants to go out there and fight. Who knows? But uh, there's no way he gets out of a, a third fight with Conor McGregor. Like, the UFC – at that point, the UFC is dumb. And I don't think they're dumb. I keep forgetting about um, – I apologize. I keep forgetting about Triller. They've kind of been off the radar for a few months. And be, when, the, when he said Bellator the other day, and because he's worked with Scott Coker in the past, I just thought, well, has he? His he brother has. His brother has for sure. WEC wasn't really Scott Coker, so maybe through his brother. I don't know. But, um, you know, Northern Cal based promotion. I just thought, yeah, okay. I, I guess I was really, really focused on that and thought, man, like maybe Bellator does have a, a big check to write him. You know, who knows? But yeah, it, it is probably a boxing match against Jake Paul. Could be, yeah. That, 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 uh, that he wants. So I don't know. Figure it out, Dana White. Um, he says he'll fight, but <laughs> he also said motherfuckers are crying when they get cut by the UFC because I can't even pay my way out. <laughs> it's kind of funny. 
See, yeah. sometimes he makes he makes some funny stuff up, man. Um, Alex Perea versus Sean Strickland. That's a matchup that's in the works for UFC 277 on July 30th. That's not the International Fight Week pay-per-view. That's the second one in July. There's two in July. J- uh, Jessica I is facing Casey O'Neill at UFC 276. That's the one for International Fight Week, which is July 2nd, if I'm not mistaken. James Vick goes, ended his, M- his retirement from combat sports. Wait, let me say this right. His MMA retirement, but not his retirement from combat sports because he's coming back for a professional boxing match. Mm-hmm. That was um, something that kind of surprised me because it just came out of nowhere that all of a sudden he's he's doing boxing and then the fight takes place. But he did get a win, and, um, you know, good for him. He probably made, hopefully, some decent money for it. Yeah, 168-pound fight, and it was against Alejandro Heredia. Only four rounds. I like James Vick. He went on a military trip with us, so I've always just been a fan of his in general. But when he did take some of those KOs and he elected to bow out of MMA, I thought, you know what? He seemed to be have a business mind where he had other things in the works. He had his kid now, and I thought, maybe now's the right time to bounce out. You know, way to, way to use your brain for other stuff, James, and recognize. But he came out for boxing, and, and that's that. Speaking of boxers goes, how about that dude that pulled out a gun um, at a comedy show where Mike Tyson was at? And it sure as hell didn't phase Mike Tyson, by the way. I didn't hear about that. Oh, you didn't? No. All right. So Tyson was at a comedy show this past Tuesday in Hollywood. And he was in the audience chilling, maybe about what looked like maybe 20 feet away from the stage. So he wasn't like, you know, he wasn't front row or anything. And some guy was challenging Tyson to a fight. Um, TMZ says the guy was trying to improve his status. So I don't know what that means if. You know, hey, I called out Tyson or something. Or I, I know there's many ways of getting some street swag, but that ain't one of them. But anyway, somebody asked the guy to leave. He comes back with a gun. He pulled a gun. And at some point, he kind of started to have a little bit of a meltdown. Then he started realizing he was dumb. And he actually apologized to Tyson, shook his hand. Tyson goes, was sitting on a chair, kind of like Raj from uh, What's Happening, you know, opposite way. Mm-hmm. All cool in a leather jacket, didn't seem phased, shook the guy's hand, and then the guy buzzed off. No police were called. <laughs> um, what do they say? No <clears throat> no foul, no, 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 harm, foul. no harm, no foul. Yeah, and that's it. What the fuck? That's Imagine weird. pulling out a gun and, and everyone, you know, in the end, everyone's good. And, and you, you know, you, you wanted to fight a guy and you didn't, A, you didn't get your ass kicked. You pulled out a gun. No charges were, were uh, filed. And... So far, I guess there's been no, no arrests. Well, shit, I don't know if I'm happy with that because anybody that thinks it's a good idea to pull out a gun in that situation, pretty dumb. But on top of that, on Mike Tyson, you got to really have a screw loose. And I don't know if I want that guy walking around with a gun. So I hope uh, even though it was nothing bad happened, I hope they do find that guy and make sure they get that gun out of his hands. For sure. Real quick, McGregor was arrested for reckless driving. He's already out. It doesn't appear to be a big thing, but apparently that's his 18th uh, 18th uh, offense. I almost I'll start to say defense. 18 offense when it comes to um, you know the way he conducts himself in public in Ireland. And some of those have been serious allegations. Some of those have just been like you know assaulting the man and in the bar with a sucker punch and. 
it's, I don't know what's wrong with this kid, but his one hundred eighty thousand eighty seven thousand dollar Bentley was impounded. Then it was returned to him. But here's what's funny. Let's get into a Twitter beef. Rafael Dos Anjos says, you're either a BMF or you're a sucker puncher. You can't be both. Dana White, time to hand that belt to me. Sounds like he's picking a fight maybe with um, Jorge Masvidal. All right. I could see that. He's competed at welterweight before. Jorge's competed at lightweight before. So I could see that it's not it's not a heavyweight talking to a flyweight. And um, But then McGregor jumps in, and he says, pulled out with a sore toe in what would have been the biggest fight of your blood, your bloodline's existence. I like that one. He's basically saying all of RDA's family, no one's made as much money as you stood to make that night. So he's basically saying, you know, they're all, we'll say poor or, or, um, yeah, I guess, I think that's what he's trying to say. Um, past, present, and future, he says, and he says, you are never eligible. Now he had a broken leg, if I'm not mistaken, or a, or a really bad sprained ankle. I can't remember, but it was serious enough that he pulled out of red panty night. The, that was the original fight. So this guy went on to fight Nate Diaz in part one. He said, forget about the going to champ champ. I'm going to fight Nate Diaz. Cause remember RDA was champ at the time. He loses the Nate Diaz. Then he gets so consumed that he wants Nate Diaz part two. While that takes place, RDA loses to Eddie Alvarez. Connor beats. Nate Diaz one month later, then he calls out Alvarez, and that's when he became champ champ. So these two have a little bit of history, and then RDA fires one more shot. He says, says the bitch that needs bodyguards to go way in and taps to rear naked chokes, too scared to go to sleep. That was a pretty good one. Yeah, both of them had. That, that might uh, be even. In your bloodline's existence, though, man. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of offensive in a way man if you really really think about it how does he know that rda's great grandfather wasn't like a, a king somewhere you know yeah he just assumes that masvidal pleads not guilty to charges in an alleged assault on the colby covington thing court date said i don't know how this thing's gonna play out i i just hope that um they don't get into it again but i don't think i want anyone to do any jail time they both talk shit he had his chance to sucker punch him or to punch him or whatever he did he dislodged a tooth or cracked a tooth all right i'm done with it you know what i mean i've always kind of liked both guys i don't know them very well as, as much as people think we we know these fighters for a long time but we really don't know all their dark secrets or anything like that so um it's it's from a distance that we're acquaintances from just covering them or going on a military visit or whatever but i like like i say i they both have been pretty respectful to me and goes and i just kind of want it to end i wouldn't mind seeing them fight again and both making a lot of money i i always cheer for that uh man i don't know no more fights i need to see a little bit more out of jorge masvidal before i'd want to see him fight colby covington a second time all right. Maybe not. Fair um, maybe not headline a card, but if it were like the third or fourth fight on a card, yeah. All right, let's reset and then let's uh, go over this UFC on ESPN 33 card, which was also known as UFC Fight Night 205, and it was also known as UFC Blade versus Dawkins.
And because it was also, I guess they call it a simulcast. It was on UFC and sorry, on ESPN and ESPN Plus. It was also called UFC on ESPN Plus 63. How crazy is that? They were back in CBUS. That's the nickname for Columbus, Ohio at the Nationwide Arena. I already told you it was 18,630, 1.99 million, 1,921,988 was the gate. Curtis Blades defeated Chris Dacus in the main event. This is one of a few fights that had actually had a finish, thank God. Um, Blades looked great, goes. That dude didn't even, I don't even think he wrestled once, did he? No, I don't think not one time did he shoot or nothing. Um, he was out there to prove a point. And his hands looked pretty damn good, dude. Even uh, his defense looked pretty good as well. Like, it's just a great performance on his part. I know this dude's taken some L's that have hurt him. Primarily, he's 0-2 against the champ. Once in a title fight. Oh, sorry. Both were in a non-title fight. He's lost two times to Francis Ngannou and once to Derek Lewis. But other than that, he's dealt with a lot of people. He's beaten JDS, Alexander Volkov, Jerzino Rosenstruck, Chris Dacus, Justin Williams, uh, Alistair Overy, Mark Hunt. Like, the dude's been around, right? But I didn't know this. He's only 31. And what have we always said about heavyweights? It seems like their prime is like maybe 34 to 36. Some even get down at 38 and 40. This guy's only 31. This is one guy that can actually bounce back from those losses we talked about and possibly still be worth a world champion. I feel like a lot of people have given up on him. Yeah, no. Um, I was kind of in that same boat, but really... And it's weird, too, because like if you match him up with Francis Ngannou for a third time, I, he's got a chance to win that fight. You know, this dude is pretty well-rounded, and he's only getting better. So um, I, I could see some pretty big things for him now. And the Stipe call-out was kind of funny because Stipe couldn't have give, given uh, less of a shit. I mean, he was taking mm-hmm. pictures of people. but He was facing the other way. Yeah. Which in a way is kind of funny. But, uh, but yeah, dude, that's a tough customer, man. And he was actually respectful. He goes, hey, man, you're one of the greatest to ever do it. I want what you've had. It'd be an honor. And Stipe's like, ah, cool. I think he gave him a thumbs up, yeah. taking pictures, turning the other way, kind of pointing fingers, cracking jokes. Played it off pretty cool. But he, see, here's the thing. And my head will explode, and I know yours will, if we even get into this. Because let me tell you something. Stipe, for all I know, for all I think, should be fighting John Jones for the interim title. And if one of those two cats don't want to, then I would think Tai Tuivasa, who has a five-fight win streak, has maybe like a dibs, but now you got Aspinall. Now you got Blades back with this big win. Then you got Cyril gone. We can't just forget about Cyril gone. He was the interim champ, and he only lost to Nganu because he lost the fifth round of their title fight. That's his first loss. Like, you know, you can't send him like way down the, the ladder to number 12. I mean, he's right there. So that along with Derek Lewis will never go away, and Alexander Volkov, you know, and and, and all these other guys. Like the, the the heavyweight division's amazing, but until they give us the interim title, I don't know who to pair up with who, honestly. And I'm like, what is taking so long with Jones and Miocic? If someone's not coming to play, let's say John Jones wants a hundred million, and the UFC goes, we're not going to give it to you, goddammit. it. Then give me the next two. Is it Miocic and Tuivasa, or who is it? 
so that these callouts can make sense. I, I am completely lost at heavyweight division as to what could be next. Well, I mean, that's kind of the power that some of these people, some of these fighters hold. And I think that's the difference where, you know, for the longest time we were we were saying we want fighters to get paid more. This is kind of what comes out of that. You know, now fighters can take more time in between fights and they're asking for more. You get addicted to that money, right? So you look at like the situation we were talking about earlier with Nate Diaz, that's probably one of those where you would have a lot of answers in that division if it weren't for Conor McGregor and Nate Diaz kind of holding things up in situations, even Dustin Poirier at times. This is another one of those deals where um, maybe if we take John Jones out of the equation, we could probably forecast what needs to be next in order. But because John Jones is such a wild card in that situation, it can all change at a drop of a hat. So it's like, it's man, you just want to be a fly on the wall and really know what's actually going on and what the play is for the UFC. Yeah. Chris Dawkins, who had won four in a row since coming into the UFC and was 12-3 and three at one point, all finishes, by the way. Now he's taken two losses, one to Derek Lewis, one to Curtis Blades. You know, the number five and number six guy in the USA Today MMA Junkie rankings, so no shame in that, but he's got to regroup. Curtis Blades, by the way, says, no, I'm not trying to throw shade. He goes, but I think that guy could be a, a light heavyweight because I guess he comes in around 240 and he's a little soft, but whatever. That didn't come out of my mouth. Um, Alexa Grasso defeated Joanne Wood in the co-main event. Grasso's now 3-0 since moving up to flyweight. And she's another fighter that doesn't fight too often, but she has a lot of pullouts from fights. So, I don't know. Some pull out against her. Mostly she's pulling out against other fighters. But she's 3-0, and and she's a pretty popular fighter. I, I thought she laid an egg when she had an opportunity to call someone out, but she submitted Joanne Wood. It was her first um submission she comes from a boxing family so that meant a lot to her for her to get a submission but i don't know i don't you know like i i don't think i still saw enough for her to compete against valentina probably not but it sure would be a lot of fun especially if it stayed on the feet because um you know her boxing is something else like it it's pretty amazing her her defense is pretty well the angles that she can throw from uh, she's a very fun fighter, but I would like to just see more of her. And you're right. Like, there are a lot of fights that she drops out of. It's kind of weird because, like, another Mexican fighter, Yario Rodriguez, is kind of the same. It's like, whenever I hear his name, I can't wait to watch him fight. But, again, that doesn't happen as often as I wish. <clears throat> yeah, and Irene Aldana just pulled out of a fight, too. By the way, Raquel Pennington, I've never seen anyone step up so fast. They must have already been working this behind the scenes because I literally was just reacting to Aldana, and next thing you know, I go on Junkie, and Raquel Pennington will sub in for Irene Aldana and face Aspen Ladd. So that's pretty nice. Yeah, that, and actually, you know what? That in a way, I kind of like that matchup better. Perhaps, yeah. Brian Barberina and Matt Brown had the fight of the night. That's two of the four bonuses we'll discuss in just a sec. Uh, close decision could have gone either way. Matt Brown's feeling like he was robbed, and uh, you know he. He should have those types of emotions, but goes, I honestly thought that this fight went down probably to the last 10, 15 seconds. And I think Barbarina may have stole it there. Had they said Matt Brown's name, I would have been like, okay with that as well. Um, but the judges gave the nod to Brian Barbarina. We already discussed that this was his last fight on the contract. It says if the UFC doesn't resign him, he'll retire. But Barbarina's fights, they just never suck. You know, they, he's put in his time. He deserves a new contract, in my opinion. 
I think I'm going to have to go back and watch it again. But I felt pretty confident that that the last 15 seconds, I think, is probably what, what won Barbarina the, the fight. But see, Barbarina wasn't just fighting Matt, Matt Brown out there. He was fighting the crowd, too. That crowd yeah. and the way they would react with every strike was such a difference maker, especially if you're if you're a judge. It's hard to overlook that. So that was a really tough outing for Brian Barbarina. But uh, I feel like the right I, – I love Matt Brown. Man. I think he's a great fighter. But I, I think the right decision was made there. I agree. <clears throat> Kaikara France defeated Askar Askarov. Askarov took his first loss. He does have a draw, I think, to I think it was with Marino or somebody, but he does have a draw. But this was his first loss. Kai Car France is now on a three-fight win streak. I mentioned that earlier. Since losing to Brian Royville, Brandon Royville, excuse me, he's now won three in a row. And but because he beat Askarov, who probably was going to get the next shot, now he's feeling like I should get the next shot. Meaning him. It's just that they've already made Marino versus Figueroa eighteen, so we got to get through that fight first. But I think he may have actually earned next. I think he deserves it. I thought that was a, a pretty big win. You know, I could see that. I mean, there is Pantoja, but Pantoja held more cards when Brandon was champ because he's beaten Brandon twice. Once on the reality show and once in real life, I was going to say. Once, you know, in the UFC. Because the reality show is like exhibition. So I, I thought he had a lot of pull. But once Brandon lost to Davison... Then I thought Pantoja's pull kind of went away a little bit. But to be fair, Pantoja also could be next. Of course, that may call for a Kaikara France-Pantoja fight. But the one thing we don't want to do goes, and it's something you talked about on last week's spinning back click, is let's not eliminate contenders then for the champs. Because if they're playing the whole, if they're playing the song and dance on us that, well, Marino and Figueredo, no one else is ready, well, then let's not have fighters eliminate each other. Let's just pick one to be next. Maybe they, that guy can be the insurance for Marino and Figueredo. And then he gets the winner, and then the other guy he can get paired up versus uh, maybe Matthias Nikola, who also won on the card. And we'll get to that in a sec. I'm down with that, man. I just want to see something different, you know. I agree. Um, Neil Magny defeated Max Griffin. Wow, this was close. I would have made some money this weekend. I, I thought Griffin was going to get him, and he almost did in the first. But Neil Magny came back. Earned his 19th win, like we said earlier. Um, he's 26 and 8 overall. Max Griffin's now 18 and 9. Max Griffin had a little bit of momentum from a, a little streak that he had going on as well, but he almost got him. And if he got him, this would have really put him up there in that 10 to 15 ranking spot where you start to get a little bit more respect. You know, you start getting a little bit closer. Remember, he had beaten um, Carlos Condit in his last fight and a couple other cats before that. All finishes, excuse me, the two of them were finishes before Condon, but still people were starting to talk Max Griffin's name, and now this this Magni loss is a setback. Yeah, it's a setback, um, but it's just that, you know, I don't think it's anything too bad. It just, it sets him back a little bit, but I think it where he's really going to be frustrated is if he goes back and watches the fight. I think he just made some bad decisions in that fight. He, he could have probably won that one. Goes, do you know anyone pre-fight that said, you know, I think Mark Diakesi, if he can out, if he can wrestle, if he can implement wrestling, he'll defeat um Vyacheslav Borshev, <laughs> the Russian that likes to wrestle. Like Diakesi, who loves the strike, out wrestled him. And he actually looked good. Yeah, that was really odd because I could see it would even be confusing if he said 
he mixed it up, you know, and, and wrestled right. some rounds and stroke. He he literally, like, if you had no idea who he was, you would have thought that was a wrestler out there. And mm-hmm. we all know Mark for just being so explosive with his striking. So good on him, man. There's a good chance Borshev actually had watched the fight before and said, yep, that's what I'm going to do, grind out a win, because Sarah McMahon had grinded out a win against Carol Rosa. She would get the takedowns, get a body lock, triangle and um just or sink hooks in and Kara rosa just had no answer for it uh unanimous decision win there for sarah mcmahon and sarah mcmahon's now two and one since coming back after the birth of her second kid uh still kind of hanging in that 10 to 15 range 13 and 6 overall um carol rosa at the end almost had a little bit of a moment that kind of got the crowd going but for the most part you know, these decisions can just wear on you a little bit. This this one wore on me a little bit. Yeah, yeah it wasn't uh, the funnest one. Now, prior to that, Chris Gutierrez had a spinning back fist. Ever since Molly McCann threw that spinning back elbow uh, last week in London, it seems like I've seen a few of these in different promotions, but Gutierrez landed a spinning back fist and then some elbows, and he defeated um, Dana Batgerell. So he's now 18 and three. I guess he's originally from the Midwest and then now trains in Arizona. But uh, this was a nice finish. The crowd popped really, really nice. And keep an eye on this guy at 135 pounds. Yeah, he said all the right things and it was a good performance. And you can't, I think he has to be a little bit more vocal though, because you you don't want to get lost in the shuffle. Perfectly said, yeah. Uh, Kiziev defeated Tulalin. Didn't have much to say there. 14 and 0. You got to respect that. 2 and 0, I think, in the UFC. Looks more yeah. like a 170 guy to me, to be honest. But uh, he does look tough. I want to get to Manon Furon, who defeated Jennifer Maya. Jennifer Maya, by the way, kicked her in the dongos. And boy, did she just ate it like a champ. I mean, it did rock her a little, but um, Jennifer Maya was not going to let herself just get steamrolled. And Furo was a big favorite coming in. But in the end, Furo won. You know, she won pretty much every round, but Maya did have a couple moments there. You know, she competed. Um, Furon, I think, is one, if you look at her physically, where you go, wow, I could see her and Valentina mixing it up, but I still think I want one more fight out of Furon, goes if I'm being honest. Yeah, she looks like she has moments and tools. Valentina's something else, though, man. Like, she doesn't really show signs of slowing down, so it's tough. But you have to do that when the champ is that dominant. You have to look for for little things here and there that could make things interesting. Yeah, I think Manon Furon, honestly, could um, probably fight Alexa Grasso because I think they're both going to want to strike. They're Oh, I said Alexa, and this thing triggered. Did oh, dude. Well, no, if you – I take mine out when Alexa Grasso fights because uh, it goes off constantly. Yeah, that's the first time it did, but – so I think Grasso and um, Fioron, they're on the same timeline. They both like to strike. I think that would be a pretty decent matchup. And in the meantime, um, what's-her-face, Valentina, she's got her hands full. She's already got a title fight set. I think it's coming up in June, if I'm not mistaken. She's going to fight, um, oh, my God, I just paid. Oh, Talia Santos, that's right, at UFC 275 on June 11th. So... The winner maybe could be in line there, I suppose. I mean, with Valentina, she's going to have to start repeating opponents soon. Now, that said, I think Manon Firo called out Caitlin Chukagan, who does appear to be a little bit of a gatekeeper. It's just that 
there was a point where I was, I'm not even sure if Kaylin Chikagan got re-signed. Remember, she was she had fought out her contract, and I think she might fall in the to that Alexis Davis category where, like, hey, you win a lot, that's cool, but you're kind of killing our division because you just can't seem to get a finish. If I'm not mistaken, I don't think Kaylin Chikagan's ever gotten a finish. Yeah, I, I, I get where they would stand on something like that. Um, I don't know. <clears throat> Gatekeeper seems so rough sometimes, but I've heard fighters use it more and more now, too. Yeah. Let's see if I can find out if Kaylin Chukagan re-signed with the UFC or not, but I, I know that that was, that was something that had come up. And lastly, we're almost done here. Um, you know, this every every fight kind of had something to, to talk about, so that's why we're, we're, we're going through this. But N- Matthias Nikolaou defeated David Dvorak. These were flyweights. These are exciting fighters. Nikolaou now 18-2. and two. I think he's 6-1 and one in the UFC. Um, he came on the scene in 2015 when he beat John Moraga. Then he took a year and a half off. And he's gotten a few other wins, but he just takes these long times off sometimes, and so he's never really been able to get momentum. Dvorak had won three in a row in the UFC. He's 20 and four now, but um, this loss kind of hurts him because Nikolau now moves in like the top 10. Dvorak, who was ready to take a step up, is just going to have to mix it up with the guys like, you know, the other guys down below, like Schnell and Bontarin or whatever. But it was an exciting matchup. Yeah, it was a fun, fun fight. But you're right. That's, that's where you're going to end up. Luis Saldana defeated Bruno Souza in the first fight. I thought Souza won, to be honest with you, but. It was one of those like Brown and Barbarina where if they called it for the other guy, all right. I just happened to bet Souza, and I really thought he had one, but what are you going to do? Um, 12 fights, I think, overall, if I'm not mistaken. Um, just real quick, you know, the UFC's gone like 15 or 16 deep, and I was like, I wonder why they didn't go that deep on this one, but I forgot. Watterson versus Rebus, that fell off. Jan Blahovich versus Alexander Rakic, that fell off. Uh, at one point, Tucker Lutz and Sue Wu Choi was on the card, Montel Jackson was originally for Dana Bajarel, but as I mentioned before, um, Chris Gutierrez stepped in for him. Alexi Olenek versus Ilo Latifi fell off on fight day. And Nate Landwehr was going to fight Larone Murphy. So they had, you know, this this probably would have been like 15 or 16 deep, but I think the 12 was good enough goes after 1X, right? Oh, so totally, yeah. But the, the TV fight, I really did want to see. Yeah. All right, folks. Look, I, I, I we got through it all. I'm really happy. We we covered, you know, kind of both events. Maybe we could have went a little more specific on some fights over at one championship. But you know, I think some of them are more interesting for us than for some of you all because a lot of people just don't watch one, and a lot of people just don't know about some of these special rules fights or or outside of MMA fights that they did have. But if you go over there and check out the the card, you'll see there was some, you know, pretty interesting. Um, storylines and john wayne parr had his last fight i think he's retiring altogether from combat sports so a lot of cool stuff went over at one championship you got to give them some love uh, if i didn't say the bonuses let me just say that and then we'll bounce so it was barbarina and brown for fight of the night and then the performance of the nights were blades and gutierrez and remember there was only three finishes so it's not like there's too many people standing around going, well, what about me i guess just alexa Grasso was the only one that got she got a submission so she might be going what about me and um, that Kizriev guy, he did get a, a rear naked choke as well. So, you know, maybe maybe Dana White will take care of them. But in London, they had like nine finishes and everyone got taken care of. You thought some of that moment, you would have thought some of that momentum would have spilled over. Um, yeah. Obviously, I wasn't there in London, but Columbus seemed pretty, pretty popping too. 
that was pretty legit energy, especially for Matt Brown. This yeah. fight was nuts, dude. This week there is no UFC, folks. All right, so uh, you should still keep it locked on MMA Junkie because there's always MMA news to cover, and there's always smaller events. You know, the UFC is kind of the uh, the golden goose of the sport. You know, the NFL, I guess they call themselves. There's a CES show on uh, coming up this week. Cage Warriors goes back to back. But, uh, yeah, no UFC, no PFL. Their, their Challenger Series is over. No Bellator, no one championship goes. All the big leagues are kind of like off to the side. Even Invictive, you want to throw them in there, nothing. So a rare kind of week off in that regard. But let me say this. On April 9th, Goes and I will be hosting a UFC watch-along. It's UFC 273, two title fights, and Burns versus Shemaev. So join us on April 9th for our UFC watch-along. Uh, already can announce that, we're, that we are doing it, and uh, we're really, really excited about that. And we'll give you tons of reminders before then. That's Volkanovski versus the Korean Zombie and Aljamain Sterling against Peter Yan. So I'm already excited. Those three three fights at the top of the bill are nice. Yeah, I like the momentum that we have from these, and I hope you you tune in because we put a lot of effort into all three shows, really, when you think about it. For sure. All right, let's get out of here. Folks, enjoy the rest of your uh, weekend's done, so enjoy your week, and we'll see you all on uh, Thursday's show. Until then, go out there and be a champion.